Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Canatus News Podcast. It has been a while. I've been very busy moving continents and things, so I'm sorry for the delay in getting a new episode out to you. Um, today we're going to be talking about the general election in the UK, which is coming up in about three weeks now. And with me to discuss that today are magician Damon Conlon, who writes for Canatus News from time to time, and also I have Paige Tracy, who is a writer and editor at Canatus News. Welcome, guys. Hi there. Hi. Um, so I want to start with the poll numbers um, and, and what we think the polls mean and sort of our general feelings about the election and what's going to happen. So the most recent ones have the Tories hovering in the high 40s and the Labour Party low 30s-ish, um, and then all the other parties are single digits. Even the Lib Dems and UKIP are, have fallen away entirely. Mm-hmm. What Into does oblivion. That... <laughs> Sorry? Into oblivion, Well, yeah, exa- I mean, exactly. What What does that say to you guys there? I mean, that UKIP well, was presumably just a, a pro- not a protest vote, but a single action vote in the last general election to try and force a referendum on the EU? Yeah, I think so. And I think, um, like we were saying before the podcast, Labour's numbers are the same as the last general election, um, but the Tories are way in front. And I think that's because they've hoovered up the UKIP vote, Um, which I guess shows that UKIP were a much bigger, like, threat at the last general election as well, um, as those votes have been able to make such a considerable difference to the Tories' lead now that that vote has collapsed. Yeah, I think UKIP um, were definitely a, a gateway drug for lo- uh, Labour voters um, into the, the Tories. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that's what happened then? That people, old Labour voters, voted UKIP last time and now they're determined to see Brexit through, so they're now voting for the Tories? Or is that what you think's happened? I think the um, the Brexit has a lot to do with, um, of course, UKIP's success and UKIP's um, sort of implosion because it's that sort of national fervour, that um, nationalism, prayed to be British, that they leapt on. And now, because Theresa May is seen to be in charge of uh, Brexit, uh, they've all put their faith in her and decided to cast their votes um, blue instead of uh, purple. Yeah, no. Sorry, Paige, Karen. No, I, I was going to say, I think it is a lot of old Labour voters who that applies to as well. Um, I think even though I, we can see from the numbers, it's the same people who voted for Labour at the last election who were voting for them at this election by the looks of it. Um, but even, even though it's good that Labour hasn't lost numbers, it's a bit worrying that they haven't gained and these numbers have instead gone to the Tories. And I think it goes back to... They, this essentially the same problems Labour had at the last election, even with their change in leader now. Um, I think, you know, the old uh, Labour voters, you know, they were disillusioned with Ed Miliband. They were disillusioned with kind of the Blairite branding, even though Ed Miliband wasn't, you know, strictly a Blairite. He kind of represented that new Labour, that move from the old socialist, more socialist values. But now... Corbyn has come in it's kind of created a whole new set of problems um, because I think even though they wanted a return to the roots um, 
I think Corbyn has, you know, has proved a bit too socialist for the socialists. Um, so yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, I'm you not, know, sorry to interrupt you. I'm not certain that's true. I think what might have happened is he's not socialist enough for the hardline socialists, but he's alienated everyone else that was under the yeah. Of I the think Party. that's yeah. That's I think so, definitely. Um, because I think everyone like you said, people under that umbrella, they were disillusioned with New Labour. Mm. They wanted, I think, to go back to, more back to the roots, being the party of the working class and stuff. But mm -hmm. Corbyn hasn't been the right person to sell that message. And I also think, um, I think now that Corbyn's come in, they've kind of realised they didn't want to go this far left <laughs> with a leader. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's kind of, even though Labour has a completely new leader this election, I think they're facing the same problems they faced in 2015 mm -hmm. uh, with alienation of a lot of the core vote. Okay. It, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because we're going to come on to discuss the manifesto policies in a minute, but a lot of the policies are very popular. If you, if you poll people on the policies yeah. themselves and don't say whose policy it is, I mean, a lot of hardish left things are very popular. I should caveat that by saying that a lot of quite hard right policies are very popular as well. Yeah. If you don't say where they've come from, but it it seems to be then that it's the messaging that's the problem and not the policies themselves. Yeah, I think this this probably serves as a good this election serves as a good platform for. Um, for Labour to push its um, its ideals and not hold back. Um, I certainly think Corbyn has been a distraction um, with MPs having to defend him every time they play a video of him criticising NATO. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's been... He's, he's faced with... He has always been faced with the, um, the reality that he will end up alienating... Um, people on the hard left as well because he has to compromise now being leader um, but I think that has some positives because we've ended up with a manifesto um, that's not really not certainly not uh, Marxist hard left like the Tories would um, <laughs> would mention um, so it's the manifesto wise that's been positive and that's probably something people on the doorstep uh, Labour campaigners to, can uh, focus on rather than uh, than Corbyn yeah let's let's move on to talk about the manifesto then um I'll just do a quick rundown of some of the things that are in it. So uh, taxation is going to be higher. Um, there's going to be a, a tax on people that earn over 80,000. Um, new 50p tax on people earning over 123,000. Uh, on immigration, there's going to be no commitment to reduce numbers, but they do want to end freedom of movement. Uh, they're going to scrap income thresholds for spices of migrants who want to come to the UK. Um, they accept the referendum result in Brexit, uh, they want to nationalise the railways, cap energy prices, scrap tuition fees, which is an interesting one, uh, create a national care service, and increase workers' rights and limit executive pay, basically. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? They all strike me as positive things, um, mm -hmm. obviously, I mean, they given where the polls are, they can basically say what they want at this point. Yeah. Um, but I just want to see if you guys can maybe pick out the policies that you think might work 
in the long term or might stick with the Labour Party in the long term and, and what the usage might be for them? I think the things on workers' rights uh, in particular is, is very good. I think that's something that they can really... Um, that they can really use that to attack the Tories with and the things on the NHS as well. This is the thing. Labour can really dominate the narrative on workers' rights and the NHS, um, which I think are both populist policies. I think they're popular. I think people care about working rights. People care about the NHS. Um, That's Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. That's fine. <laughs> I, I was going to say that that's exactly true because the Tories, um, I think it was yesterday, they had some piecemeal uh, workers' rights pledges. So they they recognised that that was um, an issue for them and they've tried to counter that um, with their own sort of uh, series of pledges that aren't obviously as good, um, but they've seen the, the danger there. Yeah, the thing is that I think Labour, this is they really need to hammer this um, and get out when they're on the doorstep and so forth campaigning really show that they are they can hold and dominate the narrative in these areas and really show how the Tories are failing in these areas um and when we come to immigration I think um the no commitment to reduce numbers is very realistic because I think Theresa May saying it's going to be brought down to the tens of thousands I don't think that's going to happen um but then this migrant impact fund sounds like a very good idea. But again, they need to sell this policy. They need to explain to people what it means. Um, because obviously people's main concern with immigration is the impact on public services. So if they can explain that they will uh, you know, be giving more money to areas with high levels of immigration, I think that would really work for Labour. And um, again, it, it, this is it, they've kind of acknowledged here that People's concerns about immigration aren't always to do with xenophobia. They're more; to, they are to do with concern about impact. So I think that that's a really positive policy. It's just if it can be uh, marketed correctly, sold correctly to uh, the electorate, is the main thing. I think that's right. I think we saw that. Um, uh, I think the other day, uh, Labour had a policy um, or mentioned that we we're going to upgrade the IT systems uh, with the NHS, which is quite clever. Mm. Um, but I think what we have to, what Labour have to be careful of, is to um, keep it um, keep it policy based because um, there's a there's a feeling with some voters that politicians will lie. You can never keep any promises. Yeah. We saw that with the Lib Dems. Mm. So this idea that you can't really know anything, it doesn't matter what they they pledge. It's all about the person and yeah. there's fake news. Mm. So. Um, some pledges won't permeate the minds of everyone, but um, it's important, nevertheless, to uh, to push them. Yeah, it seems to me particularly difficult with the the press in the UK. I mean, the the Daily Mail headline this morning was uh, "Labour pledge" or "Labour do not pledge to reduce immigration." Out of all yeah, the things this that, is, yeah. I mean, mm. you know, all all these you know, potentially positive policies and they've gone with the yeah. one that... I, I, because, of course, they have because that's what their readers want to read and, you yeah. know, they can spin that in the way they want. And But it's mm. it just seems to be a very uphill battle. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, they're being realistic, saying that they can't promise what numbers immigration can be reduced to. Um, and, you know, they the, the thing is, Labour could promise whatever they wanted now. They could say oh, we'll completely stop immigration to the UK. But, you know, they don't want to do that. And I think 
a lot of the you know the core labor electorate they don't want a complete end to immigration what they want is um is reassurance that immigration won't impact public services but like you said it's an uphill battle because the daily mail doesn't say about the migrant impact fund it doesn't describe that it doesn't say that there's going to be more money invested in line with immigration so yeah i think the right-wing press is is a problem um you but you need you need the left like not left wing as such but more centrist press to be just as much on the ball i guess yeah so i'm interested then i mean we've all pretty much written labor off in this election um which i think i think most people have done but what's the I guess the best outcome for them then in in this. I mean, is it that people become aware of their policies? What in terms of the next election? Because I think that's all we can think about now. What is a what what would be good for Labour in this election? I think. Well, oh, sorry, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, thank you. Um, I think. Well, obviously, clearly, it will be. Um, useful if they didn't uh, lose as many um, MPs in, in the ratio of uh, how many seats they lost um, and councils. But um, I think it's um, a platform uh, to build their sort of leftist ideas, which are all positive and progressive. Um, and I think it's useful that they've gone for change rather than stability. The Tories have that empty slogan. Um, yeah. I, really, I think every time a Tory says strong and stable, a fairy loses some of their workers' rights. So <laughs> it sort of annoys me. But um, I think it's a, it's a, a useful strategy. Um, the Tories are going for both stability uh, and change with taking, uh, you know, Britain back with uh, with negotiated Brexit. But I think their focus on, on stability is as to be expected. But um, I think with Trump and post-Brexit, we've seen that change is um, quite potent. So maybe... We won't do as uh, Labour won't do as badly as um, as the poll suggests. Yeah, I think I agree that what would be a really good outcome is if they can retain their seats, um, as long as there's not a mass loss of seats to the Tories. I think they can say that they've actually uh, done quite well in such a surprise election being thrust upon them. Um, so, and also, I think if if they, you know get this narrative on workers' rights and the NHS uh, protecting it, um, you know, in, like into people's minds, that could resonate very well and help them at the next election if they set their narrative now with this kind of thing. Um, yeah. Do you, do you think Jeremy Corbyn will go if he loses? Well, I'd hope so. <laughs> well, he said he would. I mean, it was leaked by BuzzFeed a couple of weeks ago that he said he wouldn't, and then there was a big thing where he denied that he said that. But yeah. Well, I I also heard that um, they were discussing um, how much of the how well they need to do for him to stay, mm. and how badly for him to leave. Um, so I guess I would have to hope that we do as well well enough that he would leave but not well enough that he would stay um <laughs> because yeah. i just think it's it's we need to we need the phoenix to rise again from the ashes yeah. and uh, if the the phoenix is um still alive then that will be problematic that yeah is, yeah that is problematic um i want to move on to talk about the 
campaign in general and more all of the parties than just Labour. So what's been your guys' impression of the campaign so far? Well, I just can't believe Theresa May and the Tories are polling so high. I think the <laughs> campaign has been... I think it's just been disastrous so far. Like, um, I, every time I see a picture of her talking to people, she looks like she wants to kill people. <laughs> I don't I don't understand how, you know, she connects with ordinary voters. Um, especially when she goes to a factory and says, I, I support fox hunting. It, it's, it just, again, it just doesn't, I don't see it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm very surprised. I just... Someone summed it up, uh, commentator James Bloodworth summed it up very well when he said um, the sad thing is that May is a completely mediocre and entirely beatable leader Mm. and it's just so sad that Labour is not in a position to beat her at the moment. You know, she really is lucky with the the way the political situation is. Um, So yeah, I think the Tory campaign hasn't been great so far, uh, but... I don't know. We'll have to see. It, look, they're still going to, you know, wipe the floor by the looks of it. No, I agree with that. I think, if, yeah, if you endorse a blood sport, you'd hope that yeah. you would lose a few more votes. Um, but I think they've got a, a sort of a strategy that's similar to Donald Trump in the fact that they're trying to circumvent um, the mainstream media uh, because she's she doesn't really like she's not going to appear in the debate or she should should she isn't anyway um they had uh, a nice party political broadcast on the one show mm. uh which was um very interesting very soft questions that's not really okay. circumventing the mainstream media though is it? i mean it is bbc one i mean i know it's soft questions in, but it's in, in in regards uh no that's true but they've certainly um found a way to appear uh, on the BBC without having to field political questions, mm. which is quite interesting uh, and quite effective, I suppose. Um, but I think it's this whole fake news thing. It, it they've and to to an extent, Corbyn has done this too. He's sort of um, focused on regional news mm. um, to create a stronger message um, and avoided um, potential uh, sort of bias. Yeah, I, I mean, I I would personally argue that. In terms of the campaign, Corbyn's more similar to to the way Trump campaigned in that he's out meeting people, having big rallies, sort of. But to to that regard, yeah, definitely. And yeah, Yeah. it's it. it, I mean, Theresa May is not meeting ordinary workers unless she's chaperoned and staged. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, This is what I can't understand. Did you guys see yesterday? She was actually confronted by someone in in a market somewhere and. Uh, asking about learning difficulties and Theresa May said yes we'll have money for mental health and the woman was like yes but that's not what learning difficulties are (laughs) so Uh, oh yeah it's it's awful and yeah there was didn't someone take a photo that showed how orchestrated that her meeting when she like goes to factories and stuff how orchestrated it is and people can't ask her questions and stuff it's it's yeah, like... and, and, and even the even journalists that are with her campaign are saying there are, some people are saying they're only allowed to ask pre-approved questions and mm, which yeah. to be honest if you agree to that as a journalist you're not a journalist i'm sorry yeah um that is not your job to be no. the, the spin machine for the the conservative party so do better journalists <laughs> 
Absolutely. Um, it does. It does seem that um, elections are becoming more presidential. Mm. It's more about the person. Um, both uh, parties exploit um, avoiding questions when they can. One party more than the other. Um, but I think once you can uh, disregard uh, critical uh, criticism and uh, have the election weigh almost entirely on opinion and what someone feels about someone when they look at them and how they speak, then um, wow. it's dangerous. It's an uphill battle then to counteract that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to leave out the Lib Dems and UKIP, so do you guys have any thoughts on, on them or are they <laughs> irrelevant enough at this point to not, not even well, have thoughts? <laughs> yeah, well, I think UKIP in particular are, are completely irrelevant now. I just think they're, yeah, just irrelevant. Um, the Lib Dems, I think there's a few seats that could be interesting. They could be uh, Lib Dem games from both Labour and the Tories, uh, in particular. Yardley in Birmingham, which was taken from the Lib Dems at the last general election. Yeah, and by... Vince Cable is, yeah. is running again, isn't he? So. Yeah, and from what I hear, uh, yeah, because I know that my university Labour group was very uh, closely tied with the campaign to get Jess Phillips into Yardley, and it's mm. close to my university, and I've heard that con- um, constituents aren't that pleased with Jess Phillips as an MP. Mm. Uh, the levels of satisfaction aren't that high. Um, oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, I've, I've heard that she doesn't respond to emails and stuff. Um, oh, and I, I think the fact that she spends a lot of time writing a column in the Huffington Post, um, mm. and she always seems to be on Twitter, it's kind of, people are a little bit disillusioned, I think, with her. Um, because I think she's trying to be more of a columnist than an MP. That's mm. That's my personal opinion about her, but yeah, they. I think John Hemming could get uh, some make a gain there if he does his campaign correctly. He could say, "Look, has she been better to you than I was?" Mm. Because he was an MP there for many years. Um, he was a very popular MP. Um, he used to do things like give um, elderly people um, money at Christmas time to pay for fuel and stuff like that. Was like from his personal money. Um, so, yeah, if if he can convince Yardley voters that he was a better MP and they, they feel that he was, they feel that their lives haven't improved or have even probably got worse since Jess Phillips was there, yeah, it could be, could be a Lib Dem gain there. Um, it's difficult to tell at the moment. I haven't actually seen any official polling figures for Yardley, but I think that's one to watch, Yardley in Birmingham. Okay, interesting. What are your thoughts both of you on this, the talk of a progressive alliance. I think oh, we've talked so about no. this before but, uh, on, on a different podcast, but, but it's a more serious proposition now. Well, I think that um, it's imperative that these kinds of things um, are promoted and, and can happen where possible mm. um, from a moral point of view. Uh, UKIP are um, irrelevant now. Um, so we've got the Lib Dems and the Greens in certain areas that we can, uh, the Labour uh, voters can, can support. And I think it's important to create um, a good platform going into uh, the next election that we have as few uh, Tory MPs as possible. Yeah. So from that point of view, um, yeah, I'd welcome uh, progressive alliances. Absolutely. 
absolutely. And I think that Labour needs to be attacking the Tories more and attacking the Lib Dems a lot less. Um, because I, a problem, I've seen it happening again at this election, it happened at last election, they spent a large amount of time criticising the Lib Dems, fighting against Lib Dems, standing candidates in marginal Lib Dem Tory seats, which took uh, votes away from the Lib Dems and allowed the Tories to take that seat. Um, so you need to look at situations like that and... This is where the Progressive Alliance comes in and realise, well, the better thing to do is just to stop a Tory MP getting in that seat. Um, and I saw it again with, with this election with Tim Farron and his uh, views on uh, homosexuality. Um, and someone wrote a really good article in Canatus News about that because they said, like, he's always voted in favour of gay marriage um, and so forth. Uh, so you know, we need to care less about what his personal views are, more about what he actually, you know, does in the... Yeah, um, he's a liberal, yeah. Yeah, in, in, the, in Parliament. Um, and I just think it's a waste of time criticising the Lib Dems and attacking them. We need to... And the, if you're talking about LGBT rights, the Tories have a far worse record, um, including Theresa May, on that front. Mm. So, yeah, absolutely. Just, yes. Yeah, I think leave the Lib Dems alone, and um, I think the Progressive Alliance is a good idea. Okay. Um, it's been a while since any of us have talked in podcast format, so I want to talk a bit about Brexit, because that's progressed since we last spoke, and obviously has an effect on this election. So what are your guys' impression of how that's going, the negotiations, all the Article 50 stuff? everything everything around that how have you guys seen that play out uh i i have to be honest uh, i'm living in ireland at the moment mm -hmm. so i have kind of fallen out the loop a little bit with okay. brexit negotiations but um as far as i can tell not going that well um <laughs> that was that was the last thing I, I think didn't germany say they want a clean break with yeah, I mean, everyone, Macron, who has just been elected French president, said that it has to be painful for the UK. Uh, Germany said they want a clean break. Uh, the I think Juncker had dinner with, with Theresa May and said mm -hmm. that they're further apart than they've ever been in terms of a negotiating, negotiation mm. stance. Um, so, yeah, it, it doesn't seem to be going hugely well, but Aye. again, May has the support of the populace for a hard Brexit, it seems. Well, I think this is probably where Labour can capitalise on uh, how it's going. If it's heading uh, disastrously, they should jump on this and say that we're the party um, uh, to negotiate Brexit and this is what we'll do and our strategies and show why they'll be um, the better choice. Yeah, but I, to be honest, I mean, they're, they're equally in support of, it seems, a hard Brexit of coming out of the single market, and they're saying, oh, well, we might maintain some kind of access, but it's, you know, that there's not a huge amount of differential, to be honest. So they say, this is Labour on Brexit. They say they accept the referendum result and intend to build a close new relationship with Europe, not as members, but as partners. They retain the benefits of the single market and customs union without being in those things somehow. They will guarantee the existing rights of EU nationals living in Britain and secure reciprocal rights for UK citizens. 
There will be no no-deal option at the end of Article 50 negotiations, which is a difference. And they'll scrap the Great Repeal Bill and replace with the EU Rights and Protections Bill. So I think the only two real differences there are there'll be no no-deal options. So they're saying they will definitely get some form of deal. And they'll scrap the Great Repeal Bill and replace with the EU Rights and Protections Bill, which I think people either don't want or they just don't care. Yeah, I mean, that's not great. Uh, the no-deal thing will probably uh, attract some people. But I think they, um, even if the difference is illusionary, um, they should um, create one. Uh, it's important to for them to be different in some way. Um, and having such similar ideas, um, it's not helpful uh, to attract voters, mm-hmm. certainly. And it's not, It's you can't capitalise on on the failings if if you would uh, be equally liable to fail in the same way. So they'll need to find something. Okay. Uh, Paige, any thoughts on, on all that? Or are you, are, are you done on Brexit? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know what the best thing will be. Um, I, again, like, I think Labour can say anything. Hmm. What's um, the, what's the, sentiment in ireland you said you're in ireland so what's yeah the, what's the sentiment so i there? think yeah they um they seem to think the uk is idiots for leaving uh, the eu um but i guess ireland does rely on the eu a lot more heavily than the uk did um even though i i think the uk should have remained in the eu you, you know the eu is a lot more necessary for ireland than it was for the uk um but there is also obviously concerns about the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic, um, which I haven't I haven't heard much about what the recent negotiations are on that, um, because I, I heard that they were, you know, they were going to say there would wouldn't be a customs put up there, but then but then how does how that you, work? How does that work? <laughs> yeah. Because the UK isn't in the EU anymore, so yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah they they seem to think i think that um we've created some problems for ireland with leaving because we were ireland's biggest trading partner in the eu mm-hmm. so um i think when we leave i think a deal with ireland will be necessary to kind of secure ireland's interests as well yeah I as mean, well presumably as that can't happen though because we need to we well need we need to, to deal with all the, the yeah, yeah exactly the but when part. we when we go to the negotiating table, um, I think we need to keep Ireland as a priority um, mm. when thinking about who who we're gonna who are the actual nation states that we will trade most within the bloc when we start trading as a third country national. Um, but again, I, um, I know speaking to people here that they do feel that Ireland is very voiceless within the EU mm-hmm. as a bloc. Um, it's a very small country, a lot smaller in economy than other countries. So, um, see, that's yeah. the, that's the thing that was so annoying because Britain had a voice and had a strong voice, and we got yeah. a lot of things uh, done that we that we wanted. We were quite persuasive, which is what. But people didn't hear that; they didn't take it in. They didn't know, so yeah. they just threw it away. It's yeah, it's tragic, really. Yeah, it is, and I think we've done damage to Ireland as much as we're going to do damage to ourselves so it's a shame yeah well <laughs> that's depressing uh, so <laughs> to, to sum up then huge Tory landslide at the next election 
Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah, and <laughs> moving forward to a hard Brexit, that's our prediction, is it? As a, as yeah. a group. Well, the thing is, though, it, it could all go so wrong. Um, and this is the thing. I, I think if it goes very badly wrong, Labour have a chance to regain um, a vote there. But I think Theresa May will say, oh, no, it's it wasn't my fault. And she'll blame the EU leaders and... Mm. Which yeah. she's, she's already doing. She's already accused them of trying yeah, to interfere exactly. in the election. Exactly. Was, you know, like, uh, to me, that is a bizarre... Uh, sabotaging yourself on the global stage for a local yeah. win. I mean, why? I just I don't exactly. understand why you would do this that. Is the, this is the thing. She's, she's not a good politician at all. And it's very, very depressing that she's going to be handed, um, you know, the election, the prime minister prime ministerial role to her on a silver platter like she will retain this role um easily it's it's very sad um yeah yeah if we could stop being a one-party state that would be good i think that's my, yeah that's my takeaway from this podcast i think i think that's what worries me the most i think you need to have an effective opposition i would worry about any party having complete dominance in mm. parliament where even if it was labor I wouldn't want Labour to have complete dominance. I'd want there to be an effective opposition from the Tories to keep policy in check and, you know, to keep, um, you know, the electorate is um, mainly centrist. They fall in line with the centre line. Mm -hmm. And I think if you have effective opposition from both the left and the right, it keeps policy in line with that centre line. I think... Yeah, I think that's right. I think critical thinking is so important to criticise because good ideas don't last, good reasons do. So you need that um, level of uh, ideas, putting ideas up to scrutiny. So you need a, an opposition or, a, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be very worrying that it's going to be pretty much a one-party state, especially with a leader who's as incompetent as Theresa May. So... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I think I think we'll wrap up there. Um, do you have anywhere where people can follow you or read your work or etc. etc. Uh, page? Yeah, uh, my Twitter is at the underscore page Tracy. Um, I normally tweet the articles I write there. Um, like we said at the start of the podcast, I'm a writer and an editor for Canatus News. Um, so check out my work. My most recent piece was. Um, looking at the role Labour students have to play in the Labour's losses at this election and the role um, these the Labour youth organisations have to play in not recruiting more disillusioned young voters because young voters are, I think, key to turning um, the tables round on the Tories. Uh, so I would really appreciate it if people checked out that piece on Canasus and also my other pieces. All right, and Damon? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm a magician, uh, satirist and comic, so um, Twitter, at Damon Conlon, also Facebook, um, I go around um, talking about Donald Trump and things, so uh, if you want to check me out or read what I, I write, um, feel free. Great, and you can follow me on at BenedictNickel1 on Twitter, and you can also find my work on Canatus News, as with these guys. Um Thanks very much for listening. Uh, I'm sorry it's been so long since the last time that you heard my voice, but there you go. That's the way life goes sometimes. I'll try not have it be as long next time. Uh, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye.